Welcome to the Modern Law Revolution podcast, sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association and featuring the successful and happy lawyers who are revolutionizing the practice of law in Colorado. I am Erica Holmes, founder of Yale Holmes Legal Solution, a modern law practice focusing on family law and attorney ethics and regulation. And I am the first chair of the CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative. I am Lauren Lester, founder of Lester Law and co-founder of On Purpose Legal Network. I am also a past chair of the CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative and so excited to be co-hosting with Erica today. Thank you so much for pitching in for um, JP. We just love having you. Thank you, Lauren. So we have talked about how practicing modern law is more than just making legal services affordable. It's a revolutionary way to practice law that encompasses all the aspects of your law practice. So MLPI um, has broken those aspects into the four pillars of modern law, which we have talked about before. Empowerment, focus, technology, and value. Well, This all-encompassing concept of modern law carries over to our topic today, which is modern networking. And our special guest, um, Karen, is going to show us how modern networking isn't just about getting clients, which, of course, you will absolutely be able to do with her networking tips, um, but modern networking is revolutionizing the way we think about networking by also making it all-encompassing to make us better lawyers and to make the legal profession better overall. So um, before we get into that, though, um, Lauren and I thought it might be helpful for each of us to share um, a practical tip that we have found um, to make our networking ventures um, a little bit easier on us. So I'm going to jump in with a tech tip, which we all know that I never do. And um, it's this really simple little program. I think it costs like $29 a year. It's called Copycat. And um, what it does is when you get an email from your networking people, you can just highlight the signature block, you hit control CC, and then it will input that information from the signature block into an Outlook um, contact for you instead of you having to copy the information over. And it's so simple, but like being able to do it in like a second just makes life so much easier. And it just also makes it kind of fun. Like you're like, oh, I get to build my contact list. And then there's always the note section in the Outlook little contact thing where I can make notes because I'm horrible with names and faces of like how I can remember who this person is, like chatted with them and they fell into a volcano when they're in Hawaii or something that's going to like remind me of who this person is. So um, that's how I build my contact list is with copycat. So Lauren, I'm sure you have a much <laughs> more high tech or savvy way of doing things um, for your networking tip. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how high tech it is, but I think it's pretty um, powerful. And it's actually one that I saw a colleague of mine use recently. Um, so I'm going to steal his thunder a little bit. But I like to think of networking. And my favorite part about it is connecting with other professionals in our community. And when I meet someone really fantastic, I always want to share it with everyone else that I know. You've got to talk to this person. They're so wonderful. But that's sometimes hard to do, especially when we're not seeing each other face-to-face these days. So my friend, Michael Idelson, who just launched his uh, practice, Evolved Law, had a fantastic way of doing this, I think. And I saw it on LinkedIn the other day. And first off, I think LinkedIn is a tool that's underutilized right now. I think it's really powerful, especially with the organic um, searching that it allows uh, us to do. 
But Michael had this really great simple post that he put out that he was just talking about that he had had a wonderful conversation with someone. He linked to that person's account and just sort of talked about not the details of what they said, but he said things like she was really kind and um, really great when it comes to kind of expressing what her business model is all about and using social media and that they also had discussed um, some things that were a little bit personal to them, but that actually flow into what Michael does for his practice. So they talked about that they both had lost a parent. Um, But that sort of ties into he does estate planning and probate, right? So it was a really great way to make it um, humanizing and not a sales pitch. uh, But it made me want to click off this person's link and learn more about whom he had talked to. Um, So it was just a nice way to, I think, promote um, the, the conversational aspect of networking and also sort of share, like I said, when you meet someone really fantastic and you want to share it with your own network, uh, a really quick and easy way to do that on LinkedIn. And also feeling very organic and natural and not salesy and all of that piece of it too. Absolutely. Wonderful. So um, let's jump in with our special guest, um, Karen Mishuli, who is the Director of Legal Talent, I just love that uh, title, at the Colorado Attorney General's Office. Um, And in my opinion, one of the world's most awesome networkers. Ever since I have known her, you just be chatting with Karen and you bring something up and she just looks at you, she'll cock her head to the side, she thoughtfully looks up, pauses and says, you know what? I know a guy. And then you're hooked up like for life. And she just does that like over and over. And it's true. She knows everybody. Um, She just has this ability um, to connect people in just the most organic, natural, easy way. So um, Karen, um, since I've known you, um, you have worked in three very distinct areas of the legal world. Um, So to give you some street cred with our audience, um, can you tell us um, a little bit about the different areas that you've worked in um, building your networking empire? Great. Well, thanks, Erica. Uh, Thanks for having me. So I, I graduated from CU Law School and then really started my career in the career development office at CU Law School. So um, I figured out really quickly when I was in law school that I wanted to use my sort of, the, you know, my uh, legal skills in a way of, of helping people. And it just turned out to be an incredibly natural fit. So I spent the first 10 years of my career working with students and alumni and when, when we were thinking about networking there, it was really in the context of helping students and alumni connect to find job opportunities. Um, after I left the law school, I went to work for a company called Diversity Lab, which is really critical. It's a really critical company in um, pushing forward innovative diversity initiatives in the legal profession, particularly in big law. So I sort of got out of the private sector for a minute and hopped into big law. Um, One of my biggest projects as a part of Diversity Lab was something called the OnRamp Fellowship. So this was specifically a fellowship designed for women leaving the practice of law and then wanting to return after having taken quite a big break. Actually, um, I think the average length of hiatus for our women lawyers through this fellowship program was over 10 years. Um, So this was pretty significant, and you can only imagine that if you are restarting your career 10 years later, 15 years later, networking is an incredibly important part of that. Um, so in addition to helping our fellows redevelop their legal uh, skill set in order to be awesome lawyers, again, um, 
I also spent a lot of time working with them on coaching with respect to their own professional development and networking. Um, So now I am the director of legal talent at the AG's office in Colorado, which is so fantastic because I get to, um, whereas Diversity Lab was a a national company, I sort of get to bring my skills and talents back to to Colorado and um, back doing public service, which I think is really where where my my heart lies. Um, And in my role, in addition to working on our hiring and recruitment uh, strategies, um, I also focus on professional development for our office. So um, again, now when I'm thinking about networking, particularly being in the government sector, it's less about even um, like uh, business development and more it's networking more broadly as far as developing your entire professional skill set and advancing your career and your professional identity. Well, I'm going to take you back um, for just a second um, into the diversity lab um, because you had shared with me some pretty impressive stats, um, how um, your networking had worked out with your group. So could you share that? Yeah. So one of the things that we did was there was a big coaching element to working with um, the women who were returning in these fellowships The idea of the fellowship was essentially that um, women who had taken this break could come back for a one-year fellowship with uh, really big companies like Amazon, Microsoft, um, and some really large law firms. And essentially, if that one-year fellowship worked out, then they would be hired long-term. So it was kind of risky in the sense that even the firms and the companies didn't know at the outset whether or not this was going to be a successful program. And we were essentially trying to pitch to them this idea of like, no, just because a woman has left the practice of law does not mean that she has lost all of her talents and skills. So we knew that a big part of this program was going to have to be um, focusing on helping them to, like I said, not only develop their skill set, but to really um, work on networking and advancing their career and getting mentorship while in their program. So I was with Diversity Lab for four years, and the on-ramp fellowship is still a successful program. But when I left, we had placed, I think, about 85 to 90 fellows, and 85% of them ended up being hired long-term by their company or their law firm. So it was really exciting. So I promised everyone uh, at the intro to this program that you had a modern take on networking. So Karen, how do you define networking? What do you see as the purpose of networking? So I think Lauren hit the nail on the head before. It's really just making connections. Um, And I think in particular, when you think about the importance of making connections in the legal profession, what it's all for, networking is for developing your entire professional skill set, advancing your career, and really creating and developing your professional identity. So if networking is really just about creating connections, which seems like it should be pretty simple or straightforward, or at least not scary, what do you find is the most common difficulty that people have when it comes to networking? Is it that fear or is it something else? Honestly, I think it's just awkward, particularly when we think about how we have defined networking in our world, which is like going to happy hours and starting like strange, awkward, small chat with people. Um, It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. And I think the other the other piece that makes this difficult for people is that 
in our society, we have a hard time asking for help. Um, and in fact, I think somehow we put some uh, some really like success on people who can do it all by themselves. Um, and I don't think that's really possible in the legal profession. I don't know one you know, awesome legal professional that has done it all on their own. And I think, you know, we know from being lawyers that it's not enough to just be a great legal research and writer. You also have to have client skills. It's not enough to just um, know people. You have to have a good, an actual good skill set. You know, it's, it's everything. And I think in order to get um, to eventually be in leadership positions or to really make a larger impact on the community, the more people you know, the better. And the more people you can have mentoring you and advising you along the way, uh, it's more helpful. And as someone who admittedly thought of networking for a very long time as those really awkward happy hours that I would never attend because they just sounded awful, how how would you say is most helpful or, or what tips can you provide someone who's either thinking that way or thinking, okay, I understand it's not just happy hours, but how do I still get over that feeling of being awkward, of kind of putting myself out there and reaching out to someone maybe I don't know? What are some practical tips that we can use to overcome that challenge? So there's uh, so there's a couple of things that come to mind when you ask that question. And the first is sort of where, where one's head is at when they're thinking about networking and that discomfort. I'm actually, I, I, I'm an I'm a more natural introvert than I am an extrovert. I've had to work really hard over the years to try to um, to develop those skills and to find a comfort and ease with talking people to people. And just like you, I'm the kind of person who always disliked going to those kinds of events. I, I, I told this to Erica, I'd beeline for the food table and for the drinks. And like somehow I'm like, if I just have a plate and a drink in hand, like, I don't know, like, then I don't have to talk to people or I can say I went to the event <laughs> and I can also get dinner at the same time. Um, so it is awkward. I, and I actually don't know many people who are like, that's my favorite kind of event. So try not to think of networking as just happy hours. It, you know, it can be, but they're uncomfortable. If you feel like you're better one-on-one and that's an easier environment for you, then you can do all of your networking in that way. You don't have to force yourself to be in, you know, completely uncomfortable situations. There are a lot of different ways to network that don't include that. Um, you know, that said, I think there are, to- some are times when we do need to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone a little bit to, um, to meet more people and to grow our network a little bit. But I think, um, it doesn't all have to be happy hours. I think that's a really great point and really speaks to really an undercurrent of modern law, right? Is that it's not one size fits all. And if happy hours aren't your thing, then no problem. Find another you know, way that's more ingrained with your strengths. But, but I appreciate your point of don't just stick in that lane. There are some times that we have to reach out of our comfort zone because uh, that's where the growth happens. And that's where, you know, sometimes the magic happens and things we wouldn't have expected. Um, so I think that that's a really great point and, and a good reminder that um, networking isn't one, there isn't one way to do it. What would you say if, if we were trying to think about what's important to us, how we want to network, what kind of um, speaks to our strengths, what's um, something that we can do that's tangible? Should we be setting 
goals for ourselves? Should we be saying, I'm going to talk to three people this week? Like, how is it best to approach sort of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. What's my first step? Uh, I think the first step is to (laughs) maybe to try to find a different word than networking. And what I mean is, I think sometimes when we say networking, it just sounds overwhelming. Or like, I'll talk to students or attorneys who are like, I know I should be networking, but I hate networking. But I think when you think about it that way, it becomes too, it's too big and it's too overwhelming. Um, So I like the idea that you brought up. It's, it's this idea of set set a goal. For, for networking. Um, as Erica mentioned at the beginning, you know, maybe it is growing your client base and that could be a, an important part of it, but maybe it is looking for a job or figuring out, you know, I'm not particularly loving what I'm doing now and I'd like to find out more about what's out there. So networking could be like over the next six months, I'm going to meet with a couple different people from these different practice areas to just try to get a sense of what else is out there and what else I could be doing with my skill set. Um, or maybe it's, I know what I want to do. I know what I think I want to do. And I need to meet a couple of people who do that. <laughs> so long-term I can get there. Or maybe it's, I'm ready to take that jump to leadership. I have practiced law for a while. I'm ready to grow and sort of step into that next level. But how do I do it? Um, how do I balance my legal practice, but also kind of grow into that? And are there any mentors that I can be be looking at to begin steering in that direction? And so if that's the case, then your little goal is to, to connect with people that do that. So be intentional about it. And I think setting small goals instead of going, I need to network uh, is, is a little bit more palatable and easier. And what would you say for someone who finds a lot of the awkwardness like I do in just the reach out, like, okay, I want to get into a leadership position. That's my goal. Like I've identified these folks. How, how do I reach out in a way that doesn't feel awkward or like I'm um, encroaching on their time? Like what's the best way? Do you have any, you know, practical tips of how do you make that ask um, in a way that's um, respectful of this person's time, but also is going to be where you're being intentional about what your goals are? Yeah. And that's where I think that being intentional about what your goals are make the ask even easier. Because if you know exactly what you're looking for, then you're really only asking them for one thing. Instead of like, I remember when I would get uh, emails from law students who sometimes like, because they're new to everything, they're just like, hi, I want to, I was hoping I could meet with you to network. And you're just like, how long is this? (laughs) You know, like what, let's steer this a little bit, you know, how, and you're, and I'm thinking to myself at that moment, like, how can I help what might be looking for? But I think if the person can define it, then the ask is a lot, it's a lot smaller and it's a, it's a lot easier to help. I think generally people in this profession want to help. I think we all know as lawyers in this profession that there's a lot of challenges to, to being a lawyer. And so I, I think people want to help every once in a while. Absolutely. You're going to ask somebody and they will not respond or um, they'll say that they're going to meet and then they don't or they flake or whatever. Or they're just too busy. And okay. So they're just too busy. Um, but most people, particularly if you can connect through someone else, like, oh, well, I know Lauren and Lauren knows this person. Um, and then if you can ha- have that person make even just a one line intro, I make one line intros for people all the time. I'm like, Erica, meet Lauren, Lauren, meet Erica. You guys should connect through bar association activities. Boom. And then I step back. Um, so I think, you know, uh, any way to make that connection makes it a lot easier and having the ask be small. And I think your point is, is 
I want to echo that the Colorado community, legal community, I have found to be super welcoming. I am not from Colorado. I went to law school elsewhere and moved here when I passed the bar. And that was my biggest fear. A, being an introvert who doesn't like to sort of go out and randomly introduce myself to people, but also not being from here. And there's two law schools, right? And the community is pretty small. I have found that the community here is so welcoming and sending out those you know, kind of cold emails. I've never, you know, maybe once in a blue moon gotten someone who was just too busy, but never gotten a negative response. Um, so I think your your point about um, the community is very welcoming once you just can kind of get over that fear of doing it is, is a good one. Um, given this last year and sort of the virtual world that we all have become accustomed to, how have you seen that change the way people are networking? So it's changing a lot since mostly now in order to network, you're having to ask people to set up time to meet over Zoom or meet over Teams or, uh, you know, on on a virtual platform. So it definitely means that you have to do the cold call email or you have to do that. um, Please, Lauren, connect me to this other person because I want to try to set up a virtual copy with them. But I actually think there are some advantages to it, too. I think Right now, because we're all used to this, networking used to take a lot of time, meaning, you know, if you and I are going to meet up to connect, I'm going to drive to Denver and you're going to come from your office. And before you know it, like we've all sort of lost two hours in our day. And right now we can set up 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, session and then be back on to something else. So I actually think in a way it's almost an advantage. We can do more networking, if you will, and we can even be more respectful of people's time. And when we do reach out um, in those sort of limited times that we can be a lot more intentional about, uh, what are your tips about how to make the most of those connections with people, those meetings with folks? Well, so first thing I want to say is at least when, when doing the initial outreach, there are a couple of pieces of advice I have for that. Do keep it short. Um, every once in a while, I get an email from someone and it's three to five paragraphs long plus materials attached. And I'm like, no, just tell me in three sentences who you are and maybe how I know you and how I can help you. Um, it's just too much. Attaching the resume, always a great idea, just in case I want to take a look at it. But the other thing that I have found really, really helpful, because given that I am a you know a recruiter for a large uh government office in Colorado, a lot of people will email me to say, hey, you know, can I set up a time to talk? I love when people propose times. Instead of just saying, hey, I'm wondering if you have some time, like absolutely I have time and I'm free and I want to meet with you, but give me something to go off of because then boom, my next email back is a meeting invite at the time, you know, one of the three times that they proposed and then we can um, and we can get it set up. It's so much easier than the back and forth of, and sometimes I think people think they're being too forward by doing that. Not at all. Just like put it out there. Um, So once the meeting is set up, assume that it's just awkward for the other person too, that you're trying to network with because Teams, Zoom, whatever you're on, it's weird. People have technology things. People have all kinds of things behind them in the camera. Um, It's weird. So the best thing you can do to make it easier, easiest for the person that you're networking with is to have your questions ready to go. Have this really focused, you know, the small chat will sort of develop through the conversation, but be really, really prepared and be pointed 
Um, as to, you know, we, we talked before about setting some small goals and being really intentional. So have your questions focused towards that. Be conscious of time. If someone said they're going to give you 15 minutes, 30 minutes, be conscious of time and be ready to wrap it up then too. Also, I always say never leave a networking meeting without asking that person, is there anyone else you think I could talk to? Or is there anyone else you think it would make sense to connect with if my interest is corporate law, if my interest is leadership, you know, whatever it is. Um, one networking contact should always lead you to the next. Another thing you can always do, if you make a great networking connection, see if there's an if there's an offer you can have for them. Is there a way that you can help them? Is there an article that they're going to be working on that you can help with writing or editing? Or are they putting on a bar association event where they need someone to assist with the details? Really, the best way to get to know someone is to do some work with them. So don't assume that you don't have anything to offer. You do. I think that's a great point. And one of my favorite sort of networking or connection um, tools that I heard a long time ago was actually from John Maxwell, who said, if someone is you know, willing to give you part of their time, and let's say it's half an hour, that you should spend at least twice that preparing for it. So I think your point is you know, really well taken of don't just come in and like have nothing prepared, but see what they've been working on or what their career history is or what questions do you have specifically and spend double the amount of time. That way it can be a really fruitful conversation. And I think then it goes both ways. Then the person that you're talking to really feels like, wow, this was a really great half an hour that I spent, not just we sat there and looked at each other you know, and asked about the weather. Right. And people love talking about themselves. So if you, if you can be specific, I know sometimes some people will say like, so what advice do you have for me? You know, that's, it's almost too general to ask a question like that. Try to be as specific as you can. And then people can really, uh, can really help. Karen, you left off the best uh, lesson that I learned from you, which is the thank you. Um, Because I would come and meet you when you were in Boulder and I was living in Denver. And on the way home, as I'm driving, I would get an email from you going, hey, thank you for your time, which you were helping me. So the fact that you're sending me a thank you note in the first place was like mind blowing, but you were like right on it. And it was short and sweet, but it made such an impact on me that I make sure that I do that. Even when I go out with my friends, I'm like texting. Um, thank you so much for your time. So um, that was a, a, a huge um, piece that I got from you. Well, and, and on that point, I'm always surprised by the number of people that don't send a quick thank you. And like you said, it can be in a text message. Thanks so much for meeting up. I appreciate your time or a quick email. Um, but even when I interview candidates, I find I'm always surprised. I'd say maybe 25% of the people that I interview in a, like a an informational interview way or an actual job interview way, uh, send a thank you. And it makes a difference. I think it sets the right tone. Uh, the other piece about, because thank you is, is uh, one method of following up, but I also think the follow-up that comes after the thank you is really, really important when it comes to networking. You know, networking is not one meeting with someone. I mean, for some people, in some situations, it might be. It might just be like, that was a great conversation. I got the information I needed and, and sort of we can part professional ways. But I think sometimes if you really had a great conversation with someone and you think like, wow, this person could potentially be a mentor for me, or this person, you know, I could see staying connected to this person professionally, then, then do, then a month later, send them an article that you were reading that you were thinking of like, Hey, this reminded me of our conversation last month. 
boom. Or sometimes students will follow up with me and say, hey, you know, you told me to stay in touch. Just want you to go. I want you to know I got a new job at such and such law firm. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to start getting more personal injury experience. I'm like, oh, that's great. Right. She's not asking me for anything. There's nothing there other than like, She's staying in my mind. And long-term, when eventually she comes back and is looking for a position at the Department of Law, I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, and she was regularly giving me updates and I was seeing how she was doing in her career. It's, I think it's great. And it's easy. That's, a, I'm, a, I'm in love with easy. I think easy gets a bad rap. So just a super quick, you know, um, two-line update. It just keeps them in the, you in the forefront of their minds and short, sweet, and done. Yeah. And actually the holidays or the new year is always a really great time for that. Like, Hey, happy new year. Just wanted to, you know, wish you well and give you a quick update. I I think those are always great excuses for that. So Karen, any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our audience about um, networking or however you want to redefine that term? (laughs) Well, back to Lauren's original point, um, LinkedIn, just do it. So many times I looked at LinkedIn profiles that are like, haven't been updated in eight years or it's, it's a, it's a living thing. So once a month, make some updates to your LinkedIn profile. It really doesn't take much effort, but it's a fantastic way to stay connected, particularly in this virtual world. Um, The other thing is force yourself to network. (laughs) Just do it. Particularly in these remote times, it's really easy to be like, eh, nobody's meeting. So I don't have to be doing this. Set goals with yourself to say like, at the end of this month, I am going to, you know, take two CLEs, ask some questions of the presenters and follow up and go to one coffee meeting. Like just set these goals for yourself and then, uh, and then do it. And what I'm finding is that people are, when you reach out to them, particularly now, uh, during this period of COVID, people are like, oh my God, I've been craving someone to talk to. I'm so glad you reached out. Um, and then the last, be intentional and don't get overwhelmed by the concept of networking. Just pick one thing that you want to do, one way in which you want to further your, your skill set or your professional identity. Well, and what if that one way that our audience wants to do is to connect with you since you know everybody? So um, how, would the, um, how would someone uh, add you to their network? Well, and and I was going to say, sometimes people are like, well, networking is hard because I don't know anyone, but officially now you all, you all know me or, you know, my voice. Um, And I am willing to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. I'm, uh, I'm willing to network with anyone. I'm willing to talk to anyone interested in the AG's office, whatever. Um, I don't know everyone, but I can connect you to the right people that you need to know. So if you want to reach out to me, So email or connections through LinkedIn are the best way. So if you want to email me, it's uh, Karen, K-A-R-E-N dot Mishuli, M-A-S-C-I-U-L-L-I at C-O-A-G dot gov. Um, And if you want to connect with me LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, just make sure to indicate like why. So send, so, cause sometimes I get LinkedIn uh, connect, you know, people just say, I want to connect with you on LinkedIn. And I'm like, you're a real estate agent in New Jersey. What? <laughs> Where's the connection here? And there might be a connection, but, but tell me in one or two lines, like how we are connected or what I can help you with. Um, but yes, I am so happy to be reached out to by anyone. 
Well, thank you so much, Karen, for all of your words of wisdom and practical advice. We are so happy to chat with you today and hopefully you have a flood of new connections coming your way. And if our audience is looking for one more opportunity to network, check out How to Start a Revolution Helpline. If you have any questions for our presenters or topics that you would like covered in a podcast, just call the How to Start a Revolution Helpline and leave us a message. We will actually play your question on the next podcast and provide an answer. Make sure to leave your name and the name of your firm or, or organization so everyone knows who their fellow revolutionaries are. The phone number is 303-824-5399. Again, that's 303-824-5399. It will also be posted on the MLPI community page. Welcome to the revolution. If you've got questions, we've got answers. That's it for today. Don't miss our next episode on the ethics of modern law with our guest straight from the Office of Attorney Regulation Council, uh, MLPI's own liaison, Jonathan White. Thank you for joining us today and thank you for joining the revolution. Revolution.